Hello and welcome to Horror Talk with Andy and Anna Toy. It's the podcast where we talk about some of our favorite horror movies and the true crime stories that inspire them. Welcome back, Doug. Doug Zemetsky, man of the hour. This is podcast number two for you for Horror Talk. Podcast number two. Yes, thank you so much for having me back. Honestly, I was thinking about this the other day and I think that the first one that we did was one of my favorite things that I've done this year. So I'm really excited to be back. Research that you did in going to that house um, was was pretty next level. So mm. yeah, I don't know if you. I mean, regardless of this podcast or not, I was gonna go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Did but, you did you go so, to did you go to Washington to um, research this one? No, but I'm a little dis- <laughs> I'm, I'm a little disappointed actually because you guys were recently in Washington and Anna had mm-hmm. mentioned to me that you were staying oh. near in the U district near, in the U district near the University of Washington. Yes, um, and. Um, had that been me and I was there, it would have been a total creep and like, like gone down these alleys and gone up to these sorority like mm-hmm. like front doors and um, checked it out. And I don't know what that says about me. I don't know if I like it or not, but it's kind of like fun it. anyways. No, it is amazing. And you know, it, you know, what's funny is that I actually think more people are interested in true crime than they, you know, the the general public would let us to believe because well it's not really a mystery anymore though like everyone's obsessed with it because of like the true crime like podcasts like yeah well it's a lot of how we were raised do you remember when we were like what was the last thing on television it was like the fbi's most wanted right it's like that and you know crime i I don't know like the whole culture and like everything was like be afraid you know beware of strangers everything of our generation at least like for me when growing up in texas so but but like look at like you know um, Netflix and all these online documentaries and everything now, like, this is kind of a, a primary topic. It is a mm-hmm. cultural about, phenomenon. It, it, it totally is. is. And, um, you know, uh, we're, you know, we're going to talk about Ted Bundy today, and I think it's super Bundy. super appropriate Bundy. because, you know, in, in January of this year, Netflix released the, these Ted Bundy tapes, and it totally took off. And now there's a movie about it, you know, Netflix original with, you know, Zac Efron playing Ted Bundy. And, you know, the three of us have all talked about this before and I've talked about it with multiple people. And then even I was at a dinner about a month, maybe a month and a half ago where it came up and Mm, and my end of it, it was a large table and my end of the table, we talked about it for maybe an hour. Amazing. um, Sort of extensively. And people are, um, they're watching it. They're they're watching it. They're paying attention. They're sort of obsessing over it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the guys I was talking to, he's from Washington. So it was kind of relatable. It's a person. And all this. Yeah. And so we Mm -hmm. all just kind of started talking to it, like talking about it. It's like, this is kind of a a hot topic right now. So here's the question, because for me, I haven't seen the film and I know it was divisive, the the actual film with Zac Efron. And from what I understand, I started watching it with, with Anna and then I, I fell asleep, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's understandable uh, yeah well it's it's not so, that exciting well really. but okay so here's my understanding is that, that yeah so i i'm curious to get your take because from my perspective it it doesn't paint him in, in a poor light at least in the first half and, at least. and i think that mm-hmm. that was the point that was the um, point you know and i think 
um, that divisiveness that you're talking about is a lot of people were expecting a lot of the gore and the violence because that's what they're sort of drawn to. And that's not what they got with this film. So, so they were sort of left unsatisfied. Hmm. Um, but me knowing a little bit about Ted Bundy and and all, like all of the horrific things that he did, I thought the film was actually really appropriate and that it showed this other side of things because there was right. this other side of Ted Bundy that not everybody knows. It if you want to understand... Wolf the, hiding in sheep's clothing. Yeah, if you want, want to really understand the 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 horrific things that he did and the gore and the violence. Right. That's what every other took... bit of film and literature and everything that talks about him is about. It's about that side of his life. Nobody ever really touches on this other side of his life. Yeah. Sure. You know, this girlfriend that he had, and I think that's what the, the point of the movie was. was that was It was from the point of view of her, right? Like, yeah, that was the whole idea. Yeah, Elizabeth Clifford, like, his, because she his girlfriend. She, she believes in him till the end. Like, she wanted to be like, no, you know? Yeah. Which a lot well, of people but, but she in also his life was one like of the that. first one of the first to turn him in. Yeah, um, because but she there was like friends it. of his that turned him in, and like still, you know, they were like, I don't think it's him, but he his name is Ted, and he drives a VW. Like, yeah, he checks a crazy. lot of boxes here. White guy, just so you know. I appreciated it in the same way as you. Like, it was totally that like point of view of you know like we're understanding Ted for like the monster he was because he was so deceiving, but I wanted to see some more of the crimes. Yeah. I (laughs) mean, I I think we all did, but, um, when he's just such a dick and like, I found myself feeling bad for him throughout the movie, you mm. know. Well, but uh, fiance or girlfriend? I can't remember. His girlfriend. I don't. Time I, don't I don't think that. I don't think they were engaged. I don't yeah. know. So if but I was I a girlfriend, girlfriend, if if I was telling a story from her perspective, I would constantly being like, "Oh, this poor guy. He just keeps getting put in these situations mm-hmm. and keeps getting." Or was he, he was operating in like Utah at the time, right? That's at the beginning of the film, or. Um, no, it started in, in Washington, no. and that's Sorry, Washington, Washington, yes, yeah. Yeah. and and that's where he met the girl. But there was another girl involved, and 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 they knew each other from Washington, but then he got involved with with Elizabeth um, Klepfer, and you know was with her, like you know that was his girlfriend, you know for a while, and, and he was kind of the stepdad to her kid. Right. But then there was another girl that <clears throat> sort of like followed along and stuck with him till the very end. Oh. Um, that was yeah, even so, predated the this chick in the movie. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah, there was there was two. Wow, um, isn't that crazy? Even like in the Charles Manson whole situation, like during the trial, there were like women that would like go up and cut themselves. There's like some fascination in our head with. Yeah, it's, well, it's, that was it's totally still Bundy. Happened. Yeah, it yeah. still happened with Bundy. I mean, right. one of his mm-hmm. defense attorneys was saying on these these Ted Bundy tapes that she would get you know like past notes from girls that were in the audience in the courtroom, like, hey, can you give this to Ted? And she's like, no, that's totally inappropriate. I'm not going to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But but they're doing it, you know? And, and yeah. even on those tapes, you see <clears throat> interviews with these girls. Like, the news were out there interviewing these girls, and they're like, aren't you scared of him? And they're like, yeah, kind of, but they're kind of giggly and smiling were, through the whole thing. They were intrigued. <clears throat> and part of it was because he was kind of charming. And- well, he's good looking. Like, I mean, he's not, like, the hottest guy you've ever seen, but he was, like, attractive, you know? <clears throat> And, okay, so the yeah. 1970s, that was, like, the start of serial killing. And, like, like no one knew the term, right, until, like, the, it, the it was late the start 1970s. Of the, it, it was the start of was the term of it. The term. Yeah. When Ted was operating, it was just no one fucking knew, you know? And, right, and right, let right. alone, like, <clears throat> no one knew that, like, a charming white dude that's really cute, you know, 
and very charming. <laughs> and and he was this. he was like stylish, Insane. and he had his the whole situation. Yeah, so right. so he's like, very like you, smart. Yeah, you you watch him in those interviews, and he's joking, and he's laughing, mm-hmm. um, and and just kind of not and he's taking charming. it very, Yeah, not taking it very he's seriously. Creepy because we know it. He did. Right. right. And like, even with all of this mounting sort of circumstantial evidence, you know, this Ted they're looking for in Washington, a Ted they're looking for in Utah, you know, this Ted in Utah that drives the same car as this Ted in Washington that they're looking for with the same MO, uh, you know, and this girl that, um, I'm sorry, her name is escaping me right now, but she, um, she got away even while he was at trial, her neighbors were saying, are you sure? Oh, they were my questioning gosh. her. Are you like, sure you got the? the are you sure you got the right guy? And it was kind of offensive to her, you know, because he would just it, like nobody really suspected that, you know, and he just he didn't fit that profile. He didn't fit their narrative of this type of person. Sure. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Ted for a minute. For for everyone who doesn't know, so he he, he killed some people. <laughs> he he's one of the most prolific serial killers of our time. Yeah. And if you Doug, think about numbers, you said something earlier, you, you're like, I'll save it for the podcast, but possibly 10 states. I was under the impression it was yeah. only in, in Washington, Oregon. Is that? No, no, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> confirmed Washington, Oregon, California, Utah, Colorado, and Florida. And I think Idaho too. Idaho is um, like a suspected one. I okay. Um, town. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It's, it's actually, through those places. it's, it's, it's actually really wild. Um, you know, the, the Ted Bundy tapes, which kind of like sparked all of this, um, I've seen three times now and I got a different experience out of them all three times. The mm-hmm. first time, you know, I thought I knew about Ted Bundy, but mm-hmm. so when I'm watching it, I'm just sort of, it was sort of like a refresher course, like, okay, this is what the guy did and where he did it. And that was what I was really paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The second time around, I was really paying attention to the time span. Okay. Right, because they they do it in a chronological order, sure. Mm-hmm. Which I wasn't really paying too much attention to the first time. You know, you just see a date flash up, and you don't really connect it with others. So the second time around, I'm paying less attention to what he did and where he did it, and more to the timeline. Like what, like what is this really like? Right, right. right? So um, uh, he really did a lot in a very short period of time relatively speaking you know he's escaped yeah. custody twice while on on trial for capital murder Oof. within six months of each other june of yeah. 77 he yeah. jumped out of the courtroom and in december of that same year he, lost he escaped, escaped. Oh 25 gosh. pounds in six days like, um, what yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's wild so he could like spit through this yeah, but oh what's what's gosh. wild about this? So like yeah. the timeline sort of like pointed out even more the like sensational part of his story is sure. that he escaped twice within six months. You know that first time, you know he's on trial for capital murder. He could be put to death for this, right? Yeah. In up to ten states, right? It's and like, and yeah, yeah was, this one was for one murder in Colorado in particular, and he escaped. Oh, they have the death penalty in Colorado though. At the time. At the time, yeah. They don't and so anymore. not anymore, no. Yeah, yeah. and so. Too liberal he escapes, jumps out of a courtroom window, second oh second gosh. story of a courtroom window, esca- escapes, right? Um, gets arrested six days later um, on kind of a fluke, and we, we can talk about that later. So they move him to a more secure place. Like, this guy is yeah. under a microscope Flight now. risk. It's like Hannibal Lecter status. Yeah. And then escapes again oh within six months. So the second time around, I'm paying attention to the timeline, right? Sure then it's like wild to me that he escaped again within six months while right. under all of this scrutiny. Yeah. Yes. Within two weeks, he kills again. Oh. And within a month from that, 
you know, he's finally arrested for the last time. But of the worst of it, too, in Florida, those ones were horrible. I mean, they were all pretty horrible. Yeah, I shouldn't say it's worst, um, but they, yeah, they the were Florida all pretty horrible. But so... yeah, like, oh but God. those were the ones that really did him in. Um, but then the third time that I watched it, I was really paying attention to the things that he was saying. Because now I'm really okay. comfortable with what he did and where he did it. Not comfortable with it, but like I'm, I'm, you, you I have a firm grasp on it yeah. of what he did and where he did what he did. The second time around, I'm like, I'm really plugged into the timeline of it all. Yeah. And then this third time around, I'm really paying attention to the things that he said. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm tying this all back into all of these other murders that he's suspected of and, right. and potentially could be more in all these different states. Um, so he said something, I think it was in the third episode. This was after he was apprehended for the, the last time in Pensacola. And he's gone through all this, this drama about giving them a fake ID and refusing yeah. to say who he is and all of this, right? They finally know who he is and whatever. And he says to, I think it's one of the detectives or maybe the prosecutor, he said, um, when you guys finally catch the person that is responsible for these crimes that you think I did, you're going to learn that it's in the hundreds. Mm. or so triple he, digits and yeah. then and then he put up fingers to indicate six states he said and in six states and put fingers up mm. uh i mean it's not so he knew it's not a confession but it it does fit the profile of what you know about ted bundy he's yeah. kind of a braggart mm. uh, he's kind of proud of what he's he's done and he's very proud of it and he's definitely methodical and cryptic yeah and kind of wants to brag totally Right. And, and so, you know, he says this to mm-hmm. one of, you know, one of these detectives. And I thought that that was really, <laughs> really fascinating. Oh my gosh. That yeah, he, this he, guy. he essentially admitted to hundreds more. Right. Or, you know, I mean, in, in the triple digits, I don't think that he said hundreds, like in a K2 or 300, but triple digits. Right. That's pretty wild. And then, so you have, if you actually go back, like I thought I knew a lot about him. So after I, I kind of put that together, I went back and looked. And you can see that he is tied to. I mean, at, at the end, you know, the night before he was put to death, he confessed to 30-something murders. Right. Um, but they can... You can tie of, him to of, more, way yeah, more. Yeah, he's, he's a suspect in a lot of others. And something that I found really interesting about that when I was reading about it is he actually had some criteria... Really? ...that he was very upfront about, okay. about murders that he wouldn't talk about. Oh. And if it fell on, under any one of three categories, it was either too close to home too close to friends and family or too young he said i'm not going to talk yeah, about it yeah he didn't it. like to talk about the like underage like the 12 well, year olds yeah he has that he had because he, he had because he did he murdered he, his, young his children. main was yeah. his main thing was what like it was like 18 to 30 years. What, what was the age group? It was yeah, college, college age. Yeah. yeah, in their right. 20s. I'm like, yeah. fuck you. 20s. Like, so many ser- serial killers are like that. They're like, oh, I'm not going to talk about this one because it's embarrassing. And it's like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, you're like, what do you have to Literally. lose? Literally. <laughs> who, who are you, who are you, you. embarrassed to? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, so I don't know. Maybe, like, you know, his, like his mom was at his trials. Like, maybe he, like, I don't know. We're trying to rationalize the irrational nuts, right yeah. now. But, yeah. Um, but I thought that was really astonishing that he actually said that. He's like, here's yeah. a criteria of three things that I won't talk about. Right. Mm-hmm. If they were too young, too close to home, yeah. or too close to friends and family. Right. Mm-hmm. Which means that, almost the, which I- I- implicates that, that he, he killed people yeah. that were very young, very close to his friends and family, mm-hmm. and very close to his own home. Right. Mm-hmm. So was he, did he have a weird childhood? Did he have like a no. classic serial no. killer childhood? He had he, a great normal. childhood. Yeah. 
right, Doug? Well, um, I would say it was. It seems like it relatively was fine. normal. Yeah, I mean, he was. A he wasn't killing animals and. Shit. I'm just he, saying, compared to like like my childhood, it was probably worse. <laughs> That's he what he I'm was saying. he was a strange kid. I mean, um, you know, there was definitely like some yeah, he weird never things fit that in. he never fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at, like as a teenager, like a um, as a camp or something. You know, he built one of those you know like tiger traps. You know, where they dug a hole and put spikes in it oh. and covered it with leaves. Shit. And actually, a young girl actually fell in it and oh. lacerated her leg. <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah, <laughs> but um, but you know, outside of that, like it's pretty traps. much. You know, he just didn't really fit in. He was yeah. awkward. When whatever, you read about but... it, it's basically just like boohoo. I didn't. I didn't really have friends. I'm sorry. I didn't have friends when I was little. Am I a serial killer? Nope. Right. Yeah. That we know of. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> but you too, Doug. <laughs> but I, I was the outcast my entire life. I'm not killing people. Sure. So for Ted, when did he start? When when was like his first known? How old was he? Was he was he full on adult or was he in? Well, uh, this this is um, this is a question. So you can kind of confirm it in the late sixties with some of these college coeds. Like these are things that he's confessed to, and like yeah, like for sure. Um, There's one um, that actually fits all three of his criteria. It was a girl that lived. She was eight years old. He was fourteen at the time. She lived on on his on his paper route. Okay. Uh, family friends yeah and her father spotted ted in a ditch i believe it was the same ditch her body was found in uh the morning that her body was found oh shit um so very close to home yeah close to uh friends and family and very young (laughs) right so again the father's like eyewitness testimony like i saw ted in that same ditch right right but not enough evidence or, or the evidence that they did have was inconclusive right um the research that I've done kind of indicates that that may have been his first. His first. She was eight and he was fourteen. Yeah. So right. anyway. yeah. So he was. So he's active in 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 Washington. Was that where he started? In in. Well, That's if if we started. assume the eight year old girl was his first, was that, that then was... yes, definitely Washington. Uh-huh. Um, otherwise, all evidence suggests that yes, he started in Washington. So and Karen Sparks is his first victim. Karen. If I remember correctly, there was two girls involved in that. Um, I think she she suffered some memory loss as a result of the bludgeoning, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but she called the other girl or wrote to her, the other girl that survived this attack and said, I know it was him, but I don't know how. Oh, crazy. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, sorry, so she s- so, survived. So Karen Sparks was his first victim. Yes. Yeah, and he broke into the house, like raped her, severely beat her. Got it. And she survived but she has really bad brain damage. But what Doug was saying is that she remembered somehow. Yeah, there was another girl involved. I feel like it was a sorority house or something. Okay. Well, it was all co-eds that, yeah, Yeah. mostly co-eds Roommates or whatever it was, yeah. Yeah. Right, and I'm of the belief that, you know, he beat these girls thinking that he had beaten them to death. They were dead, yeah. I don't think that he would have willfully left any Mm -hmm. survivors. You know, and you go to these, the Chi Omega killings, the ones that ultimately sent him to the electric chair. Uh, there was five girls in that house. Two of them died, and all of the responding officers were, were of the belief that he left there thinking that he'd killed all five. So that was his thing. He would break Fucking in dick. to like some college-age house, well, rape and murder, and bail out. That he, was he had his multiple thing. MOs. That okay. was his thing, but a lot of people abducted. He abducted a lot of chicks. See, that's what I, I, I feel in like Seattle, I remember. Most of his in first Seattle. crimes yeah. were just disappearances. Okay. And no one knew where they were. 
and then they would find the bodies, you know, or the mm-hmm. remains somewhere. somewhere. And it yeah. was like pure chaos on the campus because it was like these girls were like going missing, like in places they shouldn't have gone missing, like brightly lit streets. But this is very Ted Bundy. I mean, mm-hmm. he was bold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In and broad daylight. He was fucking, till the as end. we all know now, he's fucking good looking. He's white. He's charming. He would also, like, I'm injured like he would have like a sling or like that's right he would crutch. he would be like hey can you help me load this into which my car which is what he did at, yeah, at lake sammamish right the, yeah. the two girls that were missing within hours of each other up there that yeah that one was... wasn't enough he had to come back and go a second yeah he's a monster um but also <laughs> um th- th- there's a suspected murder that he did um in on the east coast i want to say it was either new jersey oh wow like atlantic city area or something there was a, uh, I'm kind of vague on the details, but there was a family member there's involved so um, where he had claimed that he had broken a leg, but there's okay. there's no record, no hospital record or anything of him breaking a leg, but he had a cast. And, and she had testif- like, like testified to this or, or uh, admitted to it or whatever that he had, you know, had a cast on and said that he had broken a leg, but there was no record of a Ted Bundy being checked in anywhere with a, a broken leg or whatever, yeah. but girls went missing. Wow. So, so that may have actually been... I'm not sure what the timeline is. I don't know if that was his second try with this uh, masquerade of of being injured injured or maybe his first attempt at it. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you think that it was, uh, he graduated into murder and rape or do you think that it was like a a slow burn? Like the 14 thing that maybe it was like a crime of passion or, or something, but do you think that, or do you think he was always like stalking these people and, I think it was always yeah. a thing, probably. I, I don't, um, from what I've seen and, and read about him, I think the things that he did, he did with passion, but I don't think that they were crimes of passion. He premeditated everything. He premeditated yeah. it, and when he was in it, he was not in control. Yeah. He was just, mm-hmm. he just did just no, go Well, and there's it. a couple survivors. There's like, is it two or three people? I know there's at least two people that survived attacks from him, uh-huh. and they both say, I've listened to interviews, and they both will be like, he was so charming and we we thought he was totally fine and then like his face turned black and his eyes turned black oh like literally that's what they say so it was like they they said they they said it on the tapes too Mm -hmm. the guys that were were interviewing him while he was on death row that he would start talking about these murders and his eyes would go black like an actual physiological Mm -hmm. response so it was like some crazy like dilation of his people's And it's probably horrifying. due to some some chemical reaction, his brain changing, Clearly. and uh, him becoming some other accessing but some other thing in his, I'm in just his mind. Like, and, and he it's admitted to it too. Fucking pure right? darkness, like yeah. that's what it is. And yeah. whether or not we're religious or anything, it's like there's still a dark quality to human nature. And oh sure, well we're not trying Ted to like Bundy go out and murder anyone. Um, now here's a, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's evidenced in animals too, you know, like, like I've looked into this, like, uh, yeah, like brown rats, you get the occasion of what they call an assassin doe, Uh which is, um, I mean, like to put it lightly, they're like shishito peppers. Like you just kind of get like a kind of wild one every once in a while (laughs) that will go around and kill indiscriminately. Oh, wow. Um, and even, I think they call them troops of gorillas. One of the the troops that, uh, that Jane Goodall was studying. There was a mother that would go around and kill the babies, like newborn babies, mm-hmm. from others, and then started from other moms. Yeah, started recruiting her daughter 
the gorilla daughter oh, wow. to come and help her and help her kill these babies. And then when the mother died, the daughter stopped. Wow. So it Almost was like a, total, a folly I do sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, like learned behavior of, of... Like she was just going along with it. Right. And, and then, then she once realized, the mother stopped, like, she oh, said, this a, is not for me. Yeah. Interesting because we, we think of like a, a serial killer or, 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 you know, someone with like a murderous intent as a learned behavior. And I wonder if it if it's maybe like part mental, like when something you're born with, like some, you know, some crazy gene, like alcoholism or just, just a quick, like off the cuff opinion. It might depend on like the nature of the killings. Sure. Too. Right. Like serial killer is actually a very broad term. You know, it just means, you know, multiples, um, not, at the same time. Because you can right. be classified as like a spree killer too, which right. we've covered. Or yeah. mass murderer. Or mass murderer, right. right? And really, you know, you're, the they're Columbine all serial or, killers. Or, or Pulse nightclub they're or whatever. They're all just assholes is what they are. Yes. But like serial killer is multiple people over a long course of time, not yeah. at the same time. And there's people that have killed like one or two people and they're not classified serial killer and they probably should be because they're fucked up and they're horrible. I think well, it has to be three or more, but don't quote me on that. I think, also, it, I think you're right, though. So we, we talked about this guy. He He's only known to kill two, but he they the police think that he killed way more, right? So um, <clears throat> that guy from, from Colorado, mm-hmm. Fort Bend. Fucker. Um, so it's like... he He's quoted saying, I think I need to understand what a sociopath is or a psychopath. Yeah, like, yeah, like what the definition what of saying? sociopath is because I think because I, I am think one. I think I am one, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What a dick. Yeah. He was uh, and he br- brutally raped and murdered two women. Yeah, that we that we know of. But we we yeah. he, I mean, he basically all but confessed People that to do, do that. Doing more. They've done way more. Yeah. yeah. So, we're gonna take. I'm I'm gonna ask a question, and this is not related to the murder. Sorry, everybody. But we we always talk about this. What are we drinking, you guys? I was, I was just going to bring that, that up. Okay, so, I was about to interrupt you and say, let's no. talk about the wine, but then you went right into it, so that's so perfect. So first, what did we drink first? Oregon uh, Pinot 2015 Blanc. 2015 Irie Pinot Blanc. We love the Irie Vineyard. So Irie... Me too. I've been there. It's beautiful. It is We've fantastic. So, it's so beautiful. Um, so, okay, let's talk about Irie for a minute. Um, Irie is founded by David Lett. So he is credited as the first person to bring Pinot Noir and uh, Pinot Gris to uh, Oregon from Burgundy. And this was back in the 70s when most everybody was focused on uh, Bordeaux varietals, so Chardonnay and uh, Cabernet. Yeah. But yeah, he was like, let's let's try it. And so he's now passed on and his son uh, now runs the vineyard. But um, Irie, for me, is one of my absolute favorite wineries. They are in Dundee Hills in Oregon <clears throat> and uh, do fantastic Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris, Pinot Blanc. They also have a badass Trousseau, which we're gonna drink later. And then they do a crazy varietal called Chasteladore from, uh, it's a Swiss varietal. And uh, it's actually, it's one of my favorite things to drink in the summer. We might get into that too. So okay. yeah, fantastic. So the se- that was the first wine we drank, um, which was and, showing and, really well. And, and yes. just real quickly, the reason we're drinking these wines is um, they come from states where uh, Ted Bundy was active. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so um, so we're, we're we're not just drinking and talking about killers. We're actually kind of trying it all together. Oh yeah. And, uh, uh, tying it all together. So Doug, tell us about the second wine. Which one? 
the uh, the Kung Fu Girl. The yeah. Kung Fu Girl. Kung. I don't know anything Ooh. about it. I um I went to <laughs> I went to High Times earlier and said um, I need a couple of wines from Washington. I need a white and a red. Um, I saw this red that we're about to open uh, from North Star. This um, Pinot Noir from Columbia Valley, which is Washington, and um, I knew you guys had some wines from Oregon, so I didn't bother. Uh, but uh, I said I need a white. They had a really limited selection of, of whites from Washington, uh, but they said, you know, try this. You know, this it's a, a Riesling uh, from Washington. Uh, it's called Kung Fu Girl. Despite the name, it's actually a pretty decent wine, and uh, I think we finished it. And it actually is really good. And I agree, solid, yeah. I actually, solid, I, I, solid vino. Yeah, I enjoyed so it. I, I, I know a little bit of background on this wine. So it's made by Charles Smith. The big old conglomerate in Columbia Valley. Yep. It is also sold in Target or or like those bigger like sure. places with a bigger wine selection than than a normal you know retail store, but it's one of the the one the wines under like twelve bucks that you could find regularly. That's actually really solid. It is. It has. I mean, it, it's all the things that Riesling should smell and taste like. It has a tiny bit of residual sugar, but not a ton. Honestly, I think it's a fantastic value for what it is, and I'm. I'm I think it was ten dollars and change. And yeah, I'm not disappointed with it at all. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So a good one if you're going to a party and uh, don't know what to bring, and all you have is Target. Okay. So last but not least, <laughs> well, actually, it's not last, but it's the one we're drinking currently. Um, it is a rosé, a Pinot Noir, by a producer called Long Play, based in Oregon as well. Um, the particular wine that we're drinking is called the Distortion Rosé Pinot Noir from Leah's Vineyard. And it is a single vineyard rosé of Pinot Noir that is owned by a gentleman named Todd Hansen. So Todd's daughter, Leah is the person who the vineyard is named after. It is incredibly rare to find, in my opinion, a rosé, that single vineyard, <laughs> in, I mean, anywhere, but especially in the United States. There was, I think there was like something crazy, like 16 cases produced of this stuff. And 16? Um, no, I'm sorry, 60. No, 60. Okay. Yeah. And Still, 60. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very, <laughs> yeah. very, very low, you know, and. And we're yeah. drinking a bottle, so cheers, everybody. Awesome. Cheers. cheers to staying alive. We made it through the 90s, some of us through the 80s. Actually, shit, we all made it through the 80s, too. <laughs> we're also here. And we made we it through the 2010s almost, too. Yeah. And we're, we're doing it. I have a great story about the first time I had Washington wine. So you guys don't know, Doug and I used to work at the same restaurant, Moza and Newport. We was at the restaurant, and um, we had notes on some lady who came and sat down on 53. I don't remember, like, I can't remember what her name is, but she was a uh, fashion blogger, okay? So she comes in, she has a bottle of wine. Uh, she was very, very nice, let me try some. I didn't charge her a quarter, it was Syrah from Washington. I, I didn't know the producer and I mean, I don't know. I, I don't drink a ton of Washington. We don't get a lot of Washington wine in California, to be honest, because the market saturation for yeah, California, California wine is is so high. But uh, I mean, I, I love Washington wine. I, we just don't get to drink it that often. So anyway, so I was, I was super stoked because I was like, 
hey, I get to try something that I haven't had in whatever, you know, in Syrah from Washington. And then, so, you know, I I drink like, you know, I don't know, maybe like an ounce or an ounce and a half. And then she's like, oh, by the way, this was uh, made on an Indian burial ground and you'll probably have weird dreams. (laughs) (laughs) I remember this. Yeah. Actually, I I, I actually remember this. I remember you coming to me with this and like, this is what she said. And I thought, this is great. Yeah, I probably fed you some of yeah. that too. I was like, I, was like, I love this. Yeah, and she was like, I yeah, love you're everything about this. Yeah, it was a Merlot. Or, I'm sorry, it was a Syrah. I remember that. I don't remember anything else though. I was like, yeah, Columbia Valley Syrah, um, which you know, are that's something that would be excellent from that region. And she was like, yeah, Indian Mario again. So, anyway, so for all of you guys out there looking for Washington wine, beware of the Indian burial grounds because it doesn't always do you well like in Pet Cemetery. Cool, can I, um, I, I'd like to touch on that. This is controversial and you can edit this oh, out yeah. or whatever. Um, but, but something that sort of like crossed my mind, um, it sort of entered my mind the last time we did um, a podcast mm-hmm. and I've really been sitting here just like kind of rocking back and forth, like stewing on it. Um, since then we well, got is that um yeah um we're drinking wine from these places where these serial killers were active and i just bodies. can't help but think that they've buried bodies in those soils oh, yeah. probably <laughs> probably bodies you know the uh, iron rich okay <laughs> <laughs> thank you andy for uh taking it further than i did which makes me feel a little bit better about it. Iron. But, uh, you know, I, I I, honestly don't think that any of these bodies have been buried on any of the vineyard grounds or whatever, and I don't think that's a thing. But I can't help but make that connection. Right. Okay. Can you imagine if, like, a prolific vineyard? Name one. Name one. One of your favorite. Uh, Kanubi in, in Italy, right? Okay. In Piedmont. Imagine there's a serial killer in Kanubi in Piedmont. Okay. Kills somebody, buries that body under those vines. Okay. And that's the fucking terroir? It taints an entire vintage. Oh, no. Does it taint the vintage or does it make it more valuable? <gasps> well, that, well, how does it taste? Do you even want to taste it? That's a collector's thing. I oh, think yeah. that's something you buy bottles of and put on your shelf mm-hmm. and never mm-hmm. drink. You can't drink that. Okay, but here's, but here's a question. What if Latash, right? So Latash is the best vineyard in the world, right? So what if what if that shit is the best because in the French Revolution, they killed a bunch of people and put them in the backyard, and that's the shit that makes Latash great? That's why their soil is so yeah, yeah, yeah. full of calcium is because it's all from human bones. Right? Or something? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's it's in Burgundy, right? So it's like, what if like that shit, like the minerality, quote, Oof. unquote, comes from like humans? What if somebody, what what if that actually did happen in Latosh? Yeah. And we found out about it today. Uh-huh. People would be like, well, we've got to replicate that, right? No. What I, <laughs> no. What I no, think no. would happen, what I think would happen is that it would become so cr- crazy fucking collectible and nobody would want to drink it but if you I had wine from those vineyards yeah. and that vintage yeah nobody's ever going to want to drink it and i think the value would explode mm-hmm. because it's yeah. never going to be drank it's just a matter of like having that of having in your collection the human. 
it's never about opening it. Yes. But okay, almost but, like war vintage wine, but not quite. Yeah, okay. But 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 I'm saying like, what if someone was like, shit, we've got to figure out a way to synthesize what would we kill a bunch of pigs and bury them in like uh Oh, interesting. In in Napa? Uh, or or, nope. or you know obviously like, it wouldn't be the same. I don't know. What if they analyze down to We're gonna the chemical sacrifice compound? one worker a year. Oh my god. <laughs> to maintain the tradition. <laughs> Of Latash, God! If it wasn't already five thousand dollars a bottle, yeah. Then, or yeah. Um, every time the winemaker dies, you bury oh them in gosh, the vineyard. You bury his bones, and that's what like contributes to the fucking cow. Wow. Yeah, right. Right. So like every fifty years, you get this like. Is it true cannibalism vineyards? if we eat drink that or I don't know? Yeah. Let's just not explore that. So um, a couple things that I found um, really interesting that nobody really talks about is that um, so in June of 1977, when he leapt out of the second story of the courthouse and escaped for the first time. So dramatic. <laughs> super dramatic, right? Um, a total lapse in security. And you're watching these interviews with the, yeah. the people that were in charge, and they were all super embarrassed. You can see they're really Wait, uncomfortable. Wait, did they catch it on film? Him jumping out? No. Oh. No, they didn't. The- no, they didn't catch it on film. There was witnesses, though. But they, that they saw it. yeah. Yeah. Wow. There were witnesses and whatever. And, like, even, like, the local news stations were there, and they're like, look, you can still see the indentations in the ground yeah. from, like, where he landed. Oh, right? wow. Uh, this wild. is a testament to how charming this asshole was. Yeah. Like he like convinced the guard that it was fine to leave him in the courtroom or right. the court library. Yeah. Alone. Right, and like like even um, one of his attorneys or the prosecuting attorney or whatever was like having a cigarette in like the hallway because people still smoked indoors or right. whatever, and people were just like kind of casually, super casual. Mm-hmm. Like nobody thought that this person would jump out of a second story yeah. window. It just wasn't a thought that entered their mind. Right. Right? It was not he's on trial for capital murder. Yeah. Maybe we should And they're watch gonna him let him they're gonna or... let him in a room with a window open. <laughs> right? Like wasn't even a yeah. thing. Wasn't even super a thing. casual. He just it's thought ridiculous. it was yeah. super casual. Mm-hmm. Um, so casual. <laughs> so casual. So he jumps out of this window twenty five feet to the ground, which he'd admitted he'd rehearsed in his cell. What? Mm-hmm. He'd rehearsed jumping like, from the top bunk. Would hurt. Okay. Would jump down and then tuck and roll. Parkour. That's what it is, man. Yeah, yeah. parkour. He yeah. was rehearsing parkour in his prison cell. Yep. It wasn't this, cool right? back then, guys. It was cool for Ted Bundy. <laughs> yeah. Ted Bundy started parkour. <laughs> He's What's the, the original sub, parkour. Sub, 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 sub podcast. Uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other podcast for yeah. us. So you know, he, like he does that, and he like like gets away with it, uh, for the most part. You know, six days, whatever, loses twenty five pounds, amazing. Yeah. Uh, but they set up roadblocks. Okay, let's talk about all the other things that happened there, right? <laughs> so one of the most fascinating things to me was that they confiscated two hundred pounds of marijuana. What? Coming in and out of Aspen in six days. Did he smoke a ton of weed? This was not him. This this is. Uh, oh, like they, a whole they just like other, searching, like, like they were stopping else's. any and everybody that was coming in and out of Aspen, 
And because Ted Bundy had decided to jump out this window. They just took everyone's marijuana. Marijuana charges. They're like, okay. Okay. So my question is, well, like, how many have- drug dealers in Colorado are like, you know, Yo, oh man. Fuck Ted Bundy. Yeah, that they're dude like, oh man. Fucked our whole game up. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> All we wanted to do is get high and then this motherfucker jumps out the building and Yeah. Things were going fine. Yeah, seriously. And then this crazy motherfucker jumped out of the second story and everything came to shit. And oh okay, we actually haven't actually talked about his trial. Oh at all. my gosh. Yes. His trial is when he things tried to got defend himself. Th- like Charles trial. Manson too. Yeah. His trials when Never things got really crazy. Like I think, okay. like I honestly believe that, um, you know, he felt that he was in full control for the most part through all of it. Um, even after escaping twice, yeah, he still felt he was he like was, he's he's gonna get out of this. Thing. That it, that he was in control, right? Right. And so. Florida is when things started really unraveling for him. Mm. You start to see some really, I mean, outside of the multiple escapes in Colorado, you start to see some really erratic behavior from him. Okay. Um, you, 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 You see a person that still thinks, I'm in control, I've got this, it's gonna be fine. Like his confidence is really taking over, but you also start to see uh, like cracks in his in his composure. In, 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 in his composure, yeah, he's starting to act really bizarre Ugh. and erratic, and that's when you start to really realize like things are coming to an end for him. Like he yeah. knows it, but he's still so confident that he doesn't believe that it's going to end that way. Right, and that's when you start to see it really unraveling. Like Florida is really interesting. Mm. Uh, like for Ted Bundy. He starts like stuffing toilet paper into the lock on his cell as protest for the conditions. Right. He's he's arguing with the judge. Uh, His second, I mean, he's already convicted, um, convicted murderer, sentenced Mm -hmm. to death, you know, for the Chi Omega murders. And then the trial for Kimberly Leach, the 12 year old girl that he killed in Lake City. Um, He proposes to his girlfriend who's on the witness stand and like claim some like sort of technicality like you propose like within the court it's illegal marriage and the judge's like yeah okay well yeah because you you're can't, within your rights like he's just like right. he's you going he's going off. against your your husband and or whatever it is yeah. yeah like no he's just like claiming some sort of like if I proposed to you within a court, immediately considered like a like a marriage, or whatever. Yeah, so you know, he's so just he, he's just he knew going what for he was it. Doing. Yeah. He's just being erratic and weird. Um, he does some really strange things. Like after the Chi Omega murders, he goes to another house six blocks up the street. Okay. And, and in Tallahassee. In Tallahassee, um, but there's an eyewitness. Okay. That spots Surprise. him walking in and her composite drawing matches him perfectly and the prosecution is making like a really good case yeah but then his defense attorney gets up and completely does the best possible job that he can as the defense attorney in this job just breaks her down right oh did you see his ears no did you see his eyes no see his hair no but like the drawing like kind of matched the nose sure whatever so you know so like going into that the jury was sort of convinced that it was him. Right. But then when his defense attorney gets up, she's totally like, job, yeah. like, like not credible. Right. 
Immediately after that, Ted gets up and fires him. Oh, really? Because he doesn't want anybody... He, he wants everybody to be like, this was me. Who knows? Or who knows? Who knows what he's thinking. But wow. another one of his defense attorneys, who had been trying from the very beginning to say that he's incompetent to stand trial, even mm. though a judge found him competent yeah. to stand trial, she's saying, is this not evidence of incompetent to stand trial? That his just defense attorney him. just gets up and completely destroys the prosecution's right. uh, witness, and he immediately stands up and fires this guy. Yeah, right. So Florida was where Ted really started to unravel. I think that was yeah. where, um, where he really started to to realize this is over. Yeah, and that's when he started getting real cryptic. Yeah, in the in, in and he started in, talking about other shit too. He started casually confessing to things right uh, yeah not officially you know but like the yeah. hey when you catch the guy that actually did this you're gonna find that it's in the triple digits yeah. you know a lot of different things like uh, he was when he was originally arrested uh in florida um he had a fake id and he was sticking with it he, like you can even see him in court and his attorney's appealing to the judge for bail, and the bail's like, well, who are we bailing out? <laughs> he won't even give us his real name. Like, no, we can't do that. Yeah. And yeah. he's just standing there, like, like yeah, refusing to give, give his name. But he ultimately uh, agrees to give up his name in exchange for a phone call to his uh, to Elizabeth Clepfer, right. yeah, to his girlfriend, where he tells her some shit's going to come out. It's going to be really bad. Oh, could you He imagine? traded he traded basically like a half confession to her. Yeah. You know, for for this, like he knew it was over. He knew. He knew it was over, he but was he was still down. so overly confident that he thought, maybe if I just play it really ambiguous, I yeah. can get out of this. Right. But he couldn't, and he kind of knew it, and he just started really unraveling, and that's when his behavior started to become really totally bizarre. Right. Also, also I'd, like to, I'd, I'd like it noted, in yeah. the end, he blamed it all on porn. On porn? Yeah. His ultimate excuse at the very end of the entire thing was porn was what led him into this demented behavior. Yeah, porn. Oh, shit. Yeah. Porn was his ultimate excuse, and then he died. It's fucking bullshit. Well, Doug, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. We... We need to know all about Mr. Bundy. I think for me is like, the biggest takeaway is, is understanding how his behavior and his brain affected all of us and a whole generation and like how we're still responding to it, trying to figure out what was wrong with this guy or like how he could be someone who looked just like us, but was completely different. So remember, be yourself. Be weird. But don't kill anybody. Don't do it! Don't do it with wine. <laughs> don't do it with alcohol. Well, fuck Here we Ted are. Bundy, so goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of Horror Talk with the Toys. This episode has been written and produced by Andy and Anna Toy with the music scored and performed by yours truly. If you like the podcast, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or your podcast app. And, of course, share the podcast with other people that you think would like it. 
We'd also love to stay in touch, so if you have any thoughts or suggestions, please feel free to reach out at horrortalkwithtoys at gmail.com, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram for some bonus content on this episode. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.